It's an Intake Podcast. Welcome to episode 16. I'm your host, Michael Marshall. Each week, I celebrate the unique stories and shared Michael Marshall experiences of another Michael Marshall somewhere else in the world. I've spent a bit of time reflecting on how to really do this Michael Marshall justice in my introduction. First, I can't emphasize enough that today's Michael Marshall is as compassionate as he is ambitious. Michael is a clinical psychologist and therapist currently residing in New York. Michael isn't an art therapist, by the way. He's an artist therapist. One of his specialties is therapy for artists. Michael also does onboarding psych evals for the police. So this Michael is smart enough to have identified the two professions that most require therapy. For most of us, that would be enough. But outside of Michael Marshall's practice, he's also a compelling experimental filmmaker. In particular, I was really endeared to Michael because of the way he framed this multi-day film project he conducted around the dismantling of an art installation. I think there are professions and hobbies and projects that we think about as being very obviously or inarguably creative, right? Arts are creative. Filmmaking is creative. But creativity is a key component of any work that requires empathy and personal interpretations of meaning. Scientific practices in psychology are deeply creative in that sense. And as I've revisited our chat during my edits, I can see how Michael's own creative sensibilities led him in the direction of both his career in psych and his equally compelling passion projects in film. I would even go as far as to say that Michael Marshall is among the most creative Michael Marshalls I've connected with. So without further ado, clinical psychologist, Michael Marshall. Okay. Well, Michael Marshall, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Are you, are you a Michael or are you a Mike? I, I'm a Michael. You are? Okay. I, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I introduced myself as Michael, but I, I'm always okay with people calling me Mike, but yeah, I, my preference is always Michael. All right. So just before we really uh, get into like the Michael Marshall stuff, I do want to learn a little bit more about uh, your background. So tell me, you know, tell me about you, like which Michael Marshall you are. Okay. Um, so I could say I was uh, born in Miami okay, and kind of grew up in South Florida and ended up for a little bit in California. And now I'm, I'm in New York. I've actually been to New York since just before 2000. Sure. And so I'm a clinical psychologist mm -hmm. by trade and I kind of have a little bit of an unusual split in my, in, in what I do. So half my time I spend what most people think of a clinical psychologist. I mean, I do therapy, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I sit in an office and do therapy, although my, my specialty tends to be with artists. So the majority of my clients, yeah. So, um, my clients tend to be, yeah, artists, singers, um, writers, uh, and some creative professionals as well. So that's kind of, that's half of my, my practice. The other half is probably the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, I'm a police psychologist. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So it's a, it's a real, a, a real, switch there. And so with that, I actually worked, uh, I actually worked for NYPD for about 10 years. And yeah. now I just do, um, I consult with, uh, law enforcement agencies and 
with um, some uh, mostly New York state agencies sure. and some federal agencies as well. And so just to kind of because whenever I say that, most people don't really know necessarily what that means. So just yeah. kind of, you know, so basically I do there are like three parts to it. So one okay. is everybody who applies to be a police officer or like a special agent with the mm -hmm. FBI, DEA, things like that. Uh, they need to have a psychological evaluation. So do they? But do they? <laughs> do, <laughs> they all need it. They don't all get one. This is ah, the thing is, there it some, is. Yeah, some, I hate to say this, but there are some agencies, usually they're smaller agencies, mm -hmm. who don't always give psychological evaluations. But yeah, everyone should have one. Yeah. Uh, so I do that. Uh, a lot of, of my kind of the police aspect is doing that. Um, there's also something called fitness for duty, which is just what it sounds. It's basically if an officer's on the job or, um, it can even be civilians in some of these agencies. Uh, and there's something that either an individual incident that happens, or maybe if there's like kind of a pattern of things that are concerning and they want to make sure, Hey, are these, are these people still suitable to be officers or agents or to handle you know, sensitive information, et cetera. Sure. So they'll give them a, um, they'll have them take a psychological evaluation. So I'll do some of those as well. And then the third is just kind of trauma stuff. And I don't do that as much anymore. I, I since I left NYPD, I don't really do that as much, but that's mm -hmm. kind of more if, if an officer is killed um, either in the line of duty or suicide or things like that, um, you know, I'll help you with some of the aftermath with either with their family, with the department and things like that. This is, this is such a, you have such an interesting career, Michael. And uh, I, I have a question here in the year since all of the protests that began with George Floyd, but were, you know, right. Related to much larger and, and deeper issues has the way you conduct a psychological evaluation with police or alternatively are the types of goals, the things you're looking for, have they changed over the past year? Um, I don't, wouldn't say the goals have changed. I mean, I, of course it's definitely impacted the way that I, I do my evaluations. It, it, sure. Most of all, it makes me really go back and look and make sure, Hey, uh, are there things that I'm doing that, that, I could be doing a little bit better. Are there ways that I can kind of learn some things a little bit more? You know, one of the most difficult things for us to look for is, is, you know, racial bias or cultural bias, things like that. It's just such a difficult thing to really test for unless someone's pretty blatant and open about it. Right. Um, you know, and that's having nothing to do with anything that that's happening, you know, kind of departmentally. And so it's, we're, we're always, you know, I'll, I'll talk to kind of my colleagues and we'll always try and figure out, hey, what can we do to, to try and really make sure at least we're doing our part to, to try and kind of curb what's happening. Um, it, when it's funny, when I was with NYPD, it was a little bit easier because if something happened, we would then take a look right there at the psychological file mm -hmm. and, and figure out, hey, is there something we could have done to stop this or to should we not have put this person on, you know? Um, it's a little bit different now because for the agencies that I work for, I don't necessarily have access to some of that stuff. Right. Um, and so it's the bigger deal is I don't know if anything's happening. You know, I don't know. 
any more than than you would on the news. Uh, if I see, oh wait, I recognize that name. Thankfully, I haven't recognized any names. Um, I don't know how I would handle that, but um, but yeah, I mean, it, of, of course, it's definitely impacted the way I go back and 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 look over things and, and the way I do try and uh, aim my questioning. Well, let me. I want to ask you about artists too. It's such an interesting thing to specialize in. How did that come about? Kind of a series of things. I mean, one thing I've always kind of felt a little bit of a kinship, I guess Mm -hmm. also on the side, I'm a filmmaker. And so that kind of, yeah. And so, um, a little bit of a workaholic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm a little work, a bit of a workaholic, but are you you married? Are you married? Michael? No, I'm not. You're single Michael. You're single Michael Marshall. You (laughs) Do artist artist police therapy stuff, and you're a filmmaker on the side, right? So, and but, live in New York, and I live in New York. So, yeah. um, so uh, you know, so the, I always kind of felt a connection with that kind of the world. That was really what I wanted to do was become mm-hmm. a filmmaker. And I, I actually always, when I went to school, I always said to myself, "Well, I'll, I can always do this later." Sure. Um, and so I finally kind of got into it, and so that was part of it. I also ended up, so when I left the police department, I mm. went to work for NYU. Okay. And um, like I, I grew my hair long, I grew nice. a beard and a mustache. I was like, sure. I can actually do this now. <laughs> um, so I, I went, I was at NYU and I, I just happened to get a lot of the, um, the students who were in the, a lot of the art program, you know, they have a huge mm. acting program. So I got a lot of those students. I got a lot of musicians. So I, I feel like it was initially just coincidental. Um, and then just after time you start to get referrals and, and I just felt comfortable in that arena. I think the people who were referring knew that. Uh, and then on top of everything else, I set my practice up in an area of New York where mm-hmm. it's a, it's right near the village. There are tons of artists. And right. So, it, you know, and so it's kind of built from that. So what, what do you do? Um, what are the types of challenges that commonly come up? Yeah. Like, tell me, tell me like what, what kind of, what things are artists dealing with and how do you help? Yeah. I, it's interesting. You know, I, I think that it depends also on what stage of their career they're in. I mean, first of all, they're the same issues that everybody else has. Of those, so that's of course, but just like specific to artists, you know, I think early on in careers, it's so difficult because your your friends are all like there's a career path that makes sense. There's something where they you know they can move up the ladder. Uh, I not not that they'll have stability, but there's a little bit more stability where it doesn't exist in an art world. You know, and a lot of it can be feast or famine. A lot of it's where you struggle, 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 and then boom. Uh, and there's that wondering: is it ever going to happen? Um, you know, how do you at at a party like how, when someone asks you what you do? what do you say? You know, like, so there's, that's always uh, something. So a lot of that kind of identity, those kind of identity issues. I mean, there's a lot of it's just identity based. Um, and, and I think that also uh, this, I, I hate to kind of paint with such a broad brush with this, but I do think yeah. that artists, a lot of them have a little bit of a different way of looking at the world. Maybe mm-hmm. they take a little bit more in, Sure. Um, they they don't always experience things the same, and the way that they deal with it is always a little bit different. You know, mm-hmm. I think that. Well, again, it's not universal, but I think they do, to some extent, have a little more access to their inner world as well, mm-hmm. um, or at least they make a, a, an attempt to kind of figure that. So, 
that can kind of bring things up and it's how they deal with, with that. And I mean, I'll, I'll throw one more thing out there. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but it's another thing is artists come to therapy and the, the first obstacle is always getting them to understand that if they deal with whatever issues they have, their traumas, their complexes, their, the things that we all have, if they deal sure. with those, it's not now going to mean they are no longer a good artist. It's not going to mean they're no longer going to have that well to go to for creativity, et cetera. Um, so, so I think, and so those are kind of the main things. So at, when we <clears throat> first started talking about this, you mentioned originally thinking about filmmaking and it ended up in these different career paths. But now as, as someone who still makes films, how has your work and your career in clinical psychology altered your gaze as a filmmaker? Um, I think the biggest thing is I, it, it starts to make me, how would I put this? Hmm. It starts to make me take a look at maybe some angles that I hadn't looked at before. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I could say specifically, particularly because I, I, when I started, um, I mean, I guess starting doing a little bit of short films here and there, just my own stuff, maybe it, it helped me a little bit kind of think of personality styles and um, I may have taken a little bit of a, a little character from this person or that person. And then I started for a number of years, I was doing some more documentary stuff with cool. uh, there's someone else who I work with. And so with that, I think it was just, as we were doing it, it was just kind of trying to look at it from, from a lens, like you said, just kind of, at least looking at some of the psychological perspectives of it. And, and, but I don't know, it's kind of a, t it's a tough question to say how specifically, because I don't know if it's just, if I went into psychology, cause that, that stuff is interesting to me anyway. Yep. And so it, it would have informed it. Um, anyway, um, I, I will say that I haven't really done much writing about a psychologist, which mm -hmm. I kind of want to try and do. So maybe okay. that, maybe that's where it will really come into a, to play what is um what's a recent project that you've done and are there any places online where it's easy to view some of your work the, the last big thing done we're still trying to figure out how to deal with it i mean most of the stuff i've done is kind of more like experimental and so the last big thing was there's a there's a filmmaker i mean a um artist uh, is our patkin is his name he's an israeli artist and right. so he he's been around since the 80s and um his the big thing he does is he creates these massive huge scale like veils mm -hmm. where he uh will literally paint or, or print on these massive veils they're like i don't know i feel like they're like 15 by 20 feet something like that mm -hmm. and so he had this retrospective in the uh massachusetts museum of contemporary art cool which I don't know if you've ever had a chance to go there, but it is a really cool place. Like just the buildings, it's there's a number of different buildings and just the, the way it's set up is really cool. But um, so he had one building they just set up for him mm -hmm. and the building itself is just, it's just a square. It's, I mean, a rectangle, it's just a long rectangle. And he built these walls and, and structures to house his work kind of all through it. So as you're walking through it, it's all these interesting structures and, so his whole thing is about um, 
these veils, it's almost like they represent the ghosts of his past. Okay. What we did is the person I work with, his name is William Paul Smith. And he, he's a lot of this was really his idea. And we went through and we filmed the deconstruction of this piece. Wow. Okay. And cool. as you like, so as you move one wall away, you see other walls and you see these, it's like as each wall gets removed, another massive veil is, is lifted. So it's almost sure. like you're kind of moving through these ghosts and all while the artist is, is there watching this and kind of directing <laughs> it and watching his experience through it. And we kind of get him to talk a little bit here and there. And so it, it turned into this massive, like it was a five day experience. Yeah. Um, and so we have like a hundred hours of footage basically because we had five, four cameras going or something like that. So we've been kind of, we've whittled it down and, and he's been, Izar has been actually, I think using that. And I think we're trying to do something to maybe put it in an exhibit with one of his things, almost kind of an ins- installation of sorts. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what, what's going on with that. So right now I, I don't, there's no place really online cause I'm kind of waiting for him to, figure out how he wants to use it before I kind of put those things up. Sure, that's fair. I will say one thing that we're working on now is it's a short film that is kind of focused a little bit on uh, kind of the dating apps okay. um, like Grindr and, mm-hmm. and um, uh, dealing a little with sexual assault in the uh, LG, LGBT q plus 2s community mm-hmm. um so it's it's actually about a, a native american uh, uh teen who kind of ends up uh after a a grinder hookup ends up on kind of a, a a night where he's having to kind of decide between whether to kind of stick with who he is or try and be something that he's not to try and connect and with kind of difficult consequences so really interesting that's cool yeah so that's where we're, we're actually working on that now in fact we're going to be fundraising soon with that so are you so as a michael marshall are you are you named after anybody or did you just are you the first i'm the first michael marshall that i know of in my hmm. family i mean okay. we're so i guess marshall was given to us i think we're still trying to figure exactly when this happened, but uh, so the, the Marshall part of my family came from, from Russia and in that area. And so it must've been, I don't exactly know the exact date. I know it was before world war two mm-hmm. because my grandfather who was a Marshall was born here. So okay. I think it was probably would have been his father, I believe. Um, and so we don't, I don't even know if we know exactly what our name was before we were given Marshall. So I, I'm guessing when they came in, I think they came through Philadelphia. I think they were given, given Marshall as the, as the name. But as far as I know, I think I'm the first and only Michael Marshall in, in my family. When I, when I contacted you, you, you mentioned that you've had like a few different mix-up stories. Yeah. Yeah. And before, I have. yeah, good. Like I'm, I'm always, I'm always psyched about these. So, <laughs> well, I'll tell you, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, the the main, like I've had, uh, you must have had this too. Like I've been, at, at, I had an eye doctor, in fact, who mm-hmm. there was another Michael Marshall. And every year, I would go in once a year and every year, the reception, receptionist would say the same thing to me. 
oh, you know, there's another Michael Marshall because I'd have to give my date of birth. Sure. Uh, so there's that. And like at a Blockbuster video, I remember, um, I think it was Blockbuster. It was a video store. I feel like it was Blockbuster years ago, obviously. Would you, yeah. Explain. Would you explain what a Blockbuster is for uh, Michael Marshall? <laughs> for, those people who, who tapes are? for For younger, uh, yeah, Michael Marshall. So that, yeah, when you couldn't stream things, you actually had to go to a video store and get these big clunky VHS tapes. You did, yeah. Uh, yeah. Pre-CD or DVD. Uh, and, uh, it was great. You'd kind of go and you can get like five for $5 and keep them out for five days. And, and you so, really have to get them back. Yeah. Yeah. You would have to give them back and you have to rewind. If you didn't rewind, they would charge you a dollar. That's right. Yeah. Um, so God, that was, that was the worst, but the, I mean, so in, in, in Blockbuster, you had a card, but really you just give your name and, uh, so a couple of times there was clearly another Michael Marshall and I, and I knew that at some point and it never was an issue except one or two times I'd get a call that a movie wasn't returned that I knew I never, I never, uh, rented. Ooh, okay. So, uh, but it was, I mean, that was not a problem, but the one real crazy story. So right after I graduated, mm -hmm. uh, kind of for psychology, the, the light version of a residency is you do this internship, you, okay. you do a year internship. And you have to apply all over. And so it was time for me to do this. And my first interview was in Houston. And I'd never been to Houston before. Sure. So I'm, I'm nervous as it is because w when you do this, you kind of have this, this idea that, okay, well, if you don't get one of these, these internships, your whole life is over, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loans sure. down the, you know. Right. So uh, it, I'm already anxious as it is. And my first one is in Houston. I'd never been to Houston. And I, get this hotel. It was, I think it was, it was one of the big hotels. It was like in downtown, it was like a Hyatt or one of those things. And mm -hmm. I had gotten like, it was for one night, I got this special deal, you know, as a starving grad student and I, I go in and first I walk into this hotel and everyone, there's these huge guys and they all have cowboy hats. Everyone has a cowboy hat. All right. And cool. I'm like, I didn't really know. I was like, <laughs> Okay, I didn't know. Okay, maybe that I had not been to Houston before, so I was kind of cool. I was getting to the vibe. That's kind of cool, whatever. Um, I'm not used to that. And so I go up to the counter, I say, Okay, I'm Michael Marshall uh, here to check in. And they say, Oh, Mr. Marshall, we have your your room. It's we have you in the uh, something something suite. And I'm like, um, oh. Are you sure? I mean, I is this suite still on the AAA discount? Like, I, I, you know, I wanted to make sure that it wasn't mixed. She says, Oh no, 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 you do have, still have the discount. I said, great. Um, and so, and she, she gave the price was actually less than what I was supposed to pay. So I wasn't going to argue. Yeah, and fair she enough. then, right. She said, and it'll be for five nights. And I said, Oh no, no, no. It's just, just one night. And at that time I should have thought, but you know, again, I'm really nervous as it is. I just right. said, no, no, no. It's just one night. She goes, Oh, you're sure. I said, yeah, I already have a flight book. So she canceled out those other nights and gives me the key. So I walk up to this room. Literally, I open the door yeah. for five seconds. I knew I'm not supposed to be in this room. This sure. is like the presidential suite type of thing at this, you know, or at least for me, that's what it looked like. So I go downstairs. I said, is there by any chance another Michael Marshall? She goes, oh, my gosh. Yes, there is. So all those cowboys were there because there was a huge rodeo convention. And the organizer was Michael Marshall. No way. Okay. I got to find that dude. I got to find him. I know. Well, can I tell you? Rodeo? So I, I looked, I have looked him up for years and I don't, and I remembered, they told me where he was from 
because when I looked, oh, actually, maybe what happened was I saw also on the receipt, the, he was, it was like Dodge City or something like that. I feel like it was this town that also made me feel like, oh my God, this is totally a rodeo guy. Yeah. Um, but I, I looked him up. I've not been able to find him. There is a Michael Marshall in rodeo, but I don't, and who I believe passed away, but I don't think that's the one. But I could be wrong. But anyway, so that was who it was. So, of course, I was like, please, please give him back the thing and make sure you put those other days back. Um, they actually, I will tell you, they they must have felt bad for me because they upgraded my room. I think they did not want to deal with someone who went from sure. like the top suite to the broom closet, which right. my, but I, I was only there for one night. So I couldn't, I would have wanted to kind of meet him, but right. um uh, I never got an opportunity just because I was literally in and out. That's a fantastic <laughs> one. I got to track that Michael Marshall down. I will try. Well, please, yeah. if you do, you have to let me know right. if you if you track him down. I'll let you know. <laughs> that's a, that's a good one. I haven't searched. I haven't searched for Michael Marshall rodeo. That's a good one. I got to do that. I have interviewed um, a Michael Marshall filmmaker. I have interviewed a Michael Marshall psychiatrist. If you had to say I am the Michael Marshall of something, what would you say it would be? Ooh. Well, I guess I would have to say I would pick either the Michael Marshall of, of psychology for art with artists sure. or police psychology. Okay. I mean, both of those would, would probably fit. Well, I, I, feel, I feel pretty good. I've got a lot to work with here. Uh, do, you have, do you have any questions for, for me or anything that I, we've missed? Yeah, I just have one, one question because yeah. I'm not, I mean, I really do need to be more um, on social media now. I mean, I'm trying to kind of get a little bit more on it, but I've always resisted just because I just always have. It's yeah. been kind of my own thing. I'm not psyched about um, it but, Yeah, it's, I know. But now with, with the filmmaking stuff, I really do need to be doing it. But I am sure. so curious, how did you find me? So one of the ways that I find Michael Marshall's because there are enough of us that this this works, I will just type in the name and I'll type in like a word or a profession. And I think for you, in part because I was speaking to Michael Marshall, the Canadian psychiatrist, I was doing Michael Marshall psych and I was just searching everybody who came up. So you came up somewhere. And I think it was it was through that listing then and I sent you just like a message through the through the listing. Oh, right, right. Oh, I think like through Psychology Today or something along those lines. Yes. So so searching Michael Marshall Psych was how I tracked you down. And you're, ah. you're not the only psychologist. And um, there, are, there are a number of, there are not a number, but there are several several psychiatrists across the Yeah, I, 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 I have noticed that before. Um, I don't think there are any in New York. There I did not find any in New York. But um, you're the guy. But yeah. So that's, but that's interesting. Yeah. So, oh, well, I'm glad you were able to, uh, to track me down. Michael Marshall, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. And that's it for this episode. Thanks to this Michael Marshall for being intimidatingly awesome and extremely warm and engaged. Make sure to subscribe to Name Taken Podcast wherever it is you listen to podcasts or follow me on Twitter at Name Taken Pod. Just make sure you don't miss out on any of my choice Michael Marshall content. We've got a few more episodes before we wrap up with season one with a bang. All right, well, if you or someone you know is a Michael Marshall, or if you just have a common name, reach out and share your story. Thanks.